0: you are listening to the filming life podcast i'm your host courtney holmes founder and lead educator at the filming life academy the largest online community of family filmmakers in the world where i teach photographers how to switch over to video and create meaningful story-driven films with confidence joining me is my co-host allison redmond community leader for the filming life academy and lead educator of our extremely popular sound design course Together, we give you an inside look at what's happening inside the Filming Life Academy, along with tips and tricks that you can use right away to elevate your work as a filmmaker. If you're not already a member, but you want to be, you can sign up to the Academy over at FilmingLifeAcademy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Filming Life podcast. Courtney and Allison here, and we are excited to do another podcast episode for you. So, Allison, how are you? Tell me how you've been, what's been happening? Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for
1: tuning in. I'm doing great. Um, Having a much better week than the last time we talked. And uh, I feel like summer is in full gear here. Mm -hmm. It's very, very, very hot outside. Yeah. And uh, my kids are in the pool in our backyard all day. And um, I'm trying to squeeze in work where I can and (laughs) trying to learn to enjoy the days that aren't as humid so that we can get out. Um, The big news is that our beach opened uh, this week. And so from because it was closed for the COVID related rules, but it's now open. So it's like, kind of steps from our house so we're able to like get out and actually yeah it's been really hard since what a couple months now that we haven't been able to like it's just sitting there you can like walk past it you can't get in the the, you know the sand so it's been wonderful to like actually go out and yesterday I took the kids to the beach with one of my friends and like it's hot it's like a I don't know 40 celsius 100 and over way over 100 in fahrenheit and uh, we took them out there and I had them like in their clothes, right? Not some, because I'm like, it's too, they're going to get sunburned. It's too hot. Yeah. Let's just go out, get our feet in and then come back. And they like legit got fully in the ocean mm-hmm. with all their clothes on. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, that didn't work out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's yeah, really we're just, nice though that you have that there you can go to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference, especially on these really hot days. Diane, what have you been
0: up to? How's your house? All Yeah. House build is still happening and it's all been coming along really like quickly. Um, after, you know, it, if you've ever built a house before, it's like, you know, you wait, 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 wait. And then it's just like everything starts and then Mm. you wait some more. And so, um, yeah, it's all, it's going really well. And we're, um, it were those annoying people that go there every day and, and watch, the <laughs> I <people> know working. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, things have been good. The kids, uh, it's their last week of school this week before they have a break for two weeks. And, um, good. So I'm kind of panicking slightly about that and how I'm going to manage, ah. uh, the workload that I've been doing. Um, while they're home. So mm. when like I found a balance and I found a rhythm when they had the so like the distance learning thing, cause they had yes. actually stuff to do, to do. and right. you know, just when they're home without anything to do, it's great. <laughs> but I spend so much of my time, like getting them to not argue. And I mean, arguing is inevitable, but like just trying to help them be more friendly with each other. <laughs> Um, they're such good friends, but sometimes they just fight. I mean, I know every parent goes through that. So, um, when they've got nothing to do and it's like, I want to play this. No, I don't want to play that. I want to do this. And it's just like, uh, sometimes it makes me feel like we should add more kids to the mix. But then other times I'm like, that's not going to help things. I don't think that's the solution. No, no, it's not. It might've been, um, you know, like. Eight years ago oh, or six yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah. Not now. Definitely not now. <laughs>
1: you are cracking me up. You're like, yeah, maybe that'll help. <laughs> well, maybe
0: we could just borrow someone else's kids to add. To oh, family. I can give you Isla. I'm. I, she's she's up <laughs> for her. Isla, will make our family complete. Let me just tell you, <laughs> it doesn't stop talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she can. Uh, she can talk Lydia's ear off. Oh, um, man. they was yeah yeah things have been good and and we are um just kind of geared up for the two- week holiday and I would have been going to Queensland, but I'm not now so
1: um, is the border still closed for you guys or are yeah, you're just still-, still closed okay so
0: okay um yeah that's that sucks, but is what it is and um mm-hmm. we're just kind of watching things as they go so
1: okay
0: yeah yeah wow <sighs> Well, so it's time for a question from one of our listeners. This is our podcast mailbag segment. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually get – we pull questions from people who send us emails, and we pull questions from people who write them on the network. And um, Francesca Russell posted something really uh, a, a good question on the network today, actually. Um, and mm-hmm. her question was, "What picture profile do you all shoot in?" Still trying to figure out what I like best. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a great question. I it thought, is a great um, question. What you um, shoot in,
1: Alison? What do you use when I when I first started? I stuck with standard, and um, I I think it was partially because I didn't know any better. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, um but I also was just comfortable with um, the added kind of baked in colors and uh, uh what's the word the help that it kind of gives you um but I don't know, maybe about a year and a half, two years into making films, I switched to neutral. I, I shoot Nikon first, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I switched to the neutral profile and that has made a huge difference. I um, I feel like I can never go back now to shooting standard. I know there are um, time and place for men, each of the color profiles, but I, um, I'm a neutral girl these days and I'm very much... Uh, I like the ability that it gives me in post to adjust for highlights and um, correct things just a little bit easier than would have been otherwise. Um, so mm-hmm. that's what I do. What about you? You have, you've not just shot on Canon. Now you're on, uh, no, now you're back on Canon, <laughs> You but you have shot Sony. Um, <laughs> talk to me, talk to me about what you're doing.
0: I, um, so for anyone who's listening and doesn't understand what we're talking about um, <laughs> picture profiles in your camera kind of determine the look that your video footage has. So if you, you can liken it to shooting JPEGs on your camera mm-hmm. instead of shooting in raw. Um, and so when you're shooting JPEGs, you you can choose a different picture profile and there's like landscape portrait standard Neutral. There's lots of different ones and when you're shooting video shooting with something a flat picture profile Gives you more room to work with. It's not as contrasty it retains more information in the highlights and shadows and so it um, makes it easier in post-production To work with that footage, it gives you more wiggle room. And that is what we as photographers are so used to having because we're used to shooting in raw and we have all this flexibility to fix incorrect exposures. You don't have that same flexibility and wiggle room using, um, shooting video as you do shooting raw photos. And so the closest that you can get is shooting in a flat picture profile or shooting in log, which is like super flat. Now, um, some cameras have log built into them and you can use that. Um, and some cameras do not. And so if your camera doesn't Mm -hmm. have log and you're and or you're not comfortable shooting in log yet, um, or you just don't want to, which is the case for me, um, then using a flat picture profile is the next best, next best thing. And the closest that you'll get to a really flat picture profile is usually neutral in camera. Mm-hmm. So I'm using, I have used... Um, neutral for a long time, and then for Canon on the Mark IV, I've downloaded two picture profiles that I've switched between, and um, Mm -hmm. they have different levels of flatness, less Uh. contrast. I usually will, they're flatter than neutral, and so I'll Uh usually switch to those if I'm shooting in really contrasty light, and so um, if I'm, if, if I want to be able to, add in the amount of contrast that I want to have in post, then I'm going to shoot at an even flatter profile. So the two that I've downloaded are called CineStyle and Cinema. um, And they're just free downloads. You can find them online if you Google them. Um, And so that's what I've used for Canon. I don't think that they're available for Nikon. um, But I know that Nikon does have log, right? So yes, and log. Yes. Yeah. And that same as they can be downloaded easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Canon also has C-log. Sony has S-log. So log profiles are like even flatter. And the thing about them is that it's really hard to tell if you've got exposure right um, when you're shooting in log. And you have Mm. to do so much work in post-production adding in the contrast back in. So. Mm. My answer to that question that Francesca asked earlier was um, the cinema, cinestyle profiles or neutral. Since I've mm-hmm. gone to the Canon EOS R, I've been shooting in neutral just because I haven't added it to the camera yet. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of loving it because I don't really have to do very much in post. I don't mm-hmm. have to add too much in, but I also haven't. Uh, there's one session that I did that I wished that I had a flatter profile oh. available because it was so contrasty in the house. Oh, was interesting! Fine. So was it wasn't
1: even outside of.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, because um, I can tell a huge difference when I switch to that profile, I just get much more flexibility. Like when I was shooting, when I was doing your film in, um, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In New Zealand, in that house, it was really contrasty, backlit. Mm-hmm where you, you all were sitting at the table and I, I switched it over to a really flat profile for that. And it just allowed me to have a better exposure without blowing out highlights or losing my shadows. So yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you recommend for people who are new at this? Um, do you recommend switching mid session or do you recommend kind of sticking with one profile for an entire session?
0: If you're new, I would recommend sticking with one profile for an entire session, but I would, I would heavily experiment and practice with it before doing it in a session. Right. Um, And then, yeah, once you get comfortable, I think if you're, if you're, if you're new and you're comfortable and you're you're comfortable with changing your settings mid-session, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think that right. it takes a certain level of experience and comfort in just even being able to stop filming and change your settings. Right.
1: <laughs> well, and also in post too, you're going to notice a distinct difference in that footage that's shot that way once you pull it into your, whatever program you edit it in as well.
0: Yeah. You're going to need to be Comfortable enough with post-production to be able to try and match that footage to the other footage. Right. Because yeah. it would look distinctly right. different. So, um, yeah. yeah.
1: So experiment, guys. If you have that option and you haven't, um, and like Courtney said, it's a great thing to just play around with at your house, too. You can um, try a little bit of shooting, then switch, and just look at the difference in the footage. You're gonna. If you haven't had this as a part of your tool bag, it's an easy thing to practice and put into your tool bag.
0: And I think yeah. too, like people, like you said, early on when you were shooting standard, I did the same thing and I shot in standard when I first was starting because I just didn't even know that exactly. it affected the video footage. And so right. it's just even a matter of knowing that that's what that does. And then seeing what the options are that are available to you in your camera, maybe having a Google, see what other options are available to you that you could download and and just mm-hmm. play around and experiment, like you said. so. That's awesome! Ah, oh, great. Well, let's um,
1: let's move on. We wanted to kind of talk about around the academy what's going on. And as you guys know, we have our six film challenge happening right now. Um, Courtney, do you want to tell us about what yeah. our current theme is and
0: going yeah. forward? Yeah. So, well, the six film challenge, if you haven't heard of it, which if you listen to the podcast, you already know what this is, but (laughs) the six film challenge is a, um, a bi-monthly challenge that we do. And it's just geared at, um, encouraging our members to try something new, to experiment, and we always include um, inspiration and a new article with um, examples and instructions on how to do it and things to think about and, and ways to just stretch yourself creatively using it. So... Um, this is for our members. And, and as I was saying, the reason why we do it is because we want to just encourage people to do a film on a regular basis. We know that doing it monthly is probably too much. So we do it every couple of months and um, it's just all about introducing new skills, refining existing skills and creating things that are meaningful and important. And um, yeah, it's the whole reason why we, have people in the academy doing this. So um, the last theme that was that we did was motherhood. And we've had submissions for that, and um, mm-hmm. so we'll be, we'll be posting those soon on our blog. Um, yes. And our next theme is double exposures. And so that's what we wanted to talk about in this episode because double exposures are something that we've both experimented with quite a lot over the last year or so, Um yep. And we, we just thought it would be a really cool topic for the podcast. It's a little different because it's more editing related. <laughs> it's not something that you do in camera. Um, and so we are going to include examples of films and things that we talk about in the show notes. So to, to really get the best out of this, you should definitely mm-hmm. head over to the show notes and yeah learn and like and see the examples because that's really going to help make sense of what it is that we're saying right and what <laughs> it is about. as you can you can find the show
1: notes um when we publish this episode you can find the show notes on our website so under the blog under our blog you'll find a um, section just for the show notes on the double exposure episode and there's going to be lots of film you'll hear us talk about what films we're talking about and you'll see it all there so make yeah. sure you check that out
0: yeah so um, and in addition to this, we're going to have a complete educational tutorial on double exposures for members of the Academy as a part of the content that we provide for this theme when we announce it. So if mm-hmm. you want to join us to um, like if, if listening to what we talk about today inspires you and you're like, I really want to try that, I really want to give that a go, um, you can use the code double D-B-L, exposure. All caps when you sign up, and you'll get fifteen dollars off your monthly membership fee. So awesome! We'd love to have you join us. All right, so double exposures. Double exposures. I'm
1: excited about this theme. Yeah. <laughs> I it's it's different for us. It's like uh, I mean, it's a very very specific technique that we are wanting to see people use in their films and like this last thing we did was the motherhood which is very very broad and there's a lot of interpretation you can do but this is like
0: nope we want you to use
1: (laughs) a double exposure (laughs) yeah
0: it's good okay so what exactly is a double exposure um so what this is is if you've if you come from a photography background um you may have seen a double exposure which can be done Mm -hmm. in camera or in post, but what it is, is it's basically two pictures layered on top of each other. Um, And one is usually, if uh, I I don't want to go through the exact like description of how to do this in camera, but if you (laughs) Google how to do double exposure in camera, there will be a tutorial on it, I promise, somewhere. (laughs) Um, But essentially you can create this in camera and then you, you take a series of photos and the camera kind of just puts them together for you. And that's a really cool way of doing it. It's a little bit more challenging because you kind of have to have the forethought yes. and be able to see it. And I don't know about your camera, but sometimes my camera, it'll show me the picture that I took before so that I can actually see the two like layered, right? Nice. Yes. So yeah. That's helpful. Um, but when... We started to, well, I, I started to see Amber Walter and Kylie Pertel use these in their films like early on. And it really intrigued me because I thought it's very cool to see, like, I, you know me, like, for a long time I was like, no transitions, clean cuts only. <laughs> like, I That would hate, be an understatement, yes. <laughs> I hate uh, a cross dissolve. I don't like cross dissolves. Like, I'm anti, I was anti cross dissolves for such a long time because and I still do firmly believe this, I think that using cross dissolves in a non-intentional way doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything to really help the storytelling. Like you should really be moving around more. If you're using cross dissolves as a crutch for a transition to help kind of like ease a jump cut, I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of that. But if you're using it in an artistic way, that's very Mm -hmm. different.
1: And so, I think this is one of the things that's key to what the way you teach too. Like mm-hmm. and it's a very distinct style choice for you. And mm-hmm. um, I, I just think that's very you. <laughs> yeah. you sound like you're apologizing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're not don't apologize. I <laughs> feel like sorry guys. <laughs> I, too. I know that, but you know, it's one of those things that um, when I started to see it being done in a, in an artistic way. I started thinking, wow, that's really, really cool. I love how that looks. I wonder how this could be used in family films. Um, I wonder how this could be used in my work, like how could I incorporate this? And I started to experiment um, mm-hmm. With them. and so a double exposure in video is done and is done differently um, in that you can't achieve a double exposure in camera so you can only do it in post-production. And right. the and and what it is is it since it's essentially it's layering similarly, you're layering images over the top of each other, but you're reducing opacity on one mm-hmm. on the other. and so, we're going to get and more. It's done in-, in
1: post rather than done in, in camera. So,
0: yeah. whatever your video editing software is, it's done there. And so, yes. we to get more into specifics of actually how to do it later. Um, but that's just an example. That's just kind of telling you what a double exposure is. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to see examples of this if you go to the, to the um, show notes and check out the films that we're about to talk about you're going to see examples. But that's essentially what it is. So mm-hmm. the next thing would be why do we use them? What would you yes. – why would you use them, Allison?
1: Well, um, I think there's a couple ways um, or a couple reasons why um, you use them. We talked about transitions, and you talked about how a cross is all going to help with the transition. But this is a very – I. I like using double exposures as a transition tool to introduce something that's perhaps coming up in this next uh scene or shot or in the story. So mm-hmm. it's almost like a transition as a storytelling technique rather than as like you were saying a crutch to get you from point A to point B. Right. So so let's say you have um you have kids in a backyard jumping on a trampoline, and then you have um, something new happens after that, um, instead of taking a shot with kids jumping on the trampoline, and then you they, they need to get the kids to whatever activity or parent thing is happening next, instead of just cross-dissolving those two clips, what's a more artistic way that we can do this? What's a way that we can introduce this next, con- uh, this next part of the story? Using a cross dissolve if it works with the story. That's one way to use uh to use excuse me, not cross dissolve, <laughs> double exposure in uh in a transition, um uh, as a transition tool to t- help to tell the story. Um
0: I also love that is what a cross yeah, sorry. go ahead. And essentially that is what a cross dissolve is. I mean it it's a double it that's achieving that double exposure. Yes. So it, it, it is, they're, they're similar, but what you're saying is, is that it's just done in a more intentional way. Than yes, just exactly. To make a, a smoother transition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Why do you, what's another way that
1: you um, use double exposures? Why would you use double exposures?
0: Um, uh, reasons why I've used them in the past have been when I've had a lot of footage mm-hmm. and, not enough song <laughs> <laughs> and so say for example I have a lot of really good footage for this one particular scene and I know that in the next phrase of the music I'm going to change to another scene but the pace of the music requires longer clips And, but I want to include a lot of these great moments from the footage Mm. that I have. I might then choose for that phrase of music to use double exposures to show all of those amazing, beautiful moments in ways that I might not have been able to include them had I just Mm -hmm. kept it all in one straight um, editing sequence rather than, um, you know, adding the. The layers on top. So it kind of just allows me to add layers of moments within mm-hmm. a shorter uh, piece of, of the song, essentially.
1: Mm. Awesome. Uh, I love that. I and mean, you're right. Sometimes there's, I, I mean, you're, it depends with every family. I mean, sometimes you're with these families for up to four hours. I know you've done full day shoots. Like that's what you yeah. do with my family. Um, you have a lot footage. And there's like so many good little nuggets in there. And um, if you can artistically take a moment between a mother and a child or a dad and a child, and you can use this double exposure effect, reduce the opacity and layer it in a way that shows it as well as shows what else is going on. It's just great. It gives so much more feeling and heart and and a specific moment that's happening on top of another specific moment. And it's just a beautiful way to include more, like you were saying. And it's such a, there's so many options, especially if you have a lot of good moments. It's your creativity. It's just so many, it's not just a straight cut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I love that about it. I find it becomes just more visually interesting. Um, But the trick is, is that you need to know exactly Like why, like why you would use it in a, in one spot and not in another. And so not Mm. to overuse it and not to just use it for the sake of using it, like really Mm. honing in on what's the reason why I'm using a double exposure here. And, um, and, and is this really, is am I just doing it because I have all this extra footage? Like, or is it because, it's working in this, in this way. And it's working with the music and, um, it's, it's improving things, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's making you like, it's bringing in more feeling. It's bringing in more emotion. Um, don't do, you do think it that- just for the sake of showing a lot more footage is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that the tendency
1: is that, okay, I've got this new tool. I want to use this and then I want to do the whole film. Do you think that's kind of, okay.
0: Yeah. And that's okay. You know, especially I know the first film that I made, um, which I'll talk about in a little bit where I really experimented with this. Um, I used it all over the place, but even still, there was a reason for it. Um, Mm. so, which I'll get more into in a little bit, but but yeah, those, I would say, you know, like you said, showing, um, you know, smoothing out the transitions, introducing characters, introducing mm-hmm. environmental aspects, introducing um, ambience, introducing feeling, introducing mood. All of those things mm-hmm. are great ways to use double exposures. Um, and I feel like we should talk, say
1: when when a standard film when you say straight cuts which you mentioned just a couple minutes ago can you maybe clarify that just a little bit straight cuts versus what we're talking about here because yeah and yeah
0: so well a straight cut would be just um well a clean cut would be a clip and then a clip right next to it and there's no transition between the two so it just it just Mm -hmm. goes to the next and the thing is is that if you don't move your camera position enough and it's the same people, it's the same room, it's the same scene. If you are not moving around enough, then it's going to feel mm-hmm. like a bunch of jump cuts. Um, right. and so that's the key, but even like adding a cross dissolve between, this is where we talk about the, the, the transitions, adding a cross dissolve between two similar camera positions of the same people in the same scene in the same room. Um, right. That's not gonna, that's not really, it it smooths it, yes, and it's not as jolting, but I would encourage you not to use a cross dissolve just because it feels jolting, like just because it feels, it doesn't feel quite right. Use a cross dissolve intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, If you find that it's feeling that way, change that next clip that you've got behind the first clip or change the first clip in front of the second clip change one of those mm-hmm. clips because that's the issue and a cross dissolve isn't going to fix it. So, right. um, yeah, I would just, that, that's, that's the difference between a straight cut and a, what we're talking about where you would add a transition called a cross dissolve, um, or layering other clips over the top to mm-hmm. kind of do that. And we we'll, we're going to talk more on exactly how you do that, but
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. Do we want to um, kind of go into our favorite films and how yeah, so how to use about, this in our films?
0: Yeah. Tell me, you start. So tell me about a favorite film that you've made where you've used mm-hmm. double exposures and okay. how you did that. What was kind of the, the story background behind it and all mm-hmm. of that for you?
1: I'm actually going to talk about um, an iPhone movie I made recently um, during our quarantine. I made a little... It's a 58 second long film, um, of shot on the top of a bike of myself and my kids kind of just riding our bikes in the afternoon. And it's a vertical film, but it was all shot on an iPhone, but it doesn't matter because the concept is still included in the editing of double exposures, um, so I had a lot of footage. That film was shot over like two different bike rides. If I, you probably can't tell, but he looked really closely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have two different sets of clothes on. <laughs> no, I never noticed that. The, yeah. Because there was a lot of me falling off the bike trying to <laughs> hold my iPhone. <laughs> anyway. Um, but I knew, I knew that I would have a lot of footage because you know, you're driving a bike. It's not a five minute thing with my kids. It's, you know, it's 40 minutes, 50. It's a lot. And so I had a lot of footage. We live in a place. um, It's kind of a little, like a little beachside town essentially is where we live. And um, so we've got a lot of palm trees and beach and just being on the bike. So I had all this, a lot of movement footage. But I also had some stagnant footage um, because I wanted to be in the shot. Um, And so I would occasionally put my phone down somewhere and then just do a drive-by with the kids, and they were fine with that. So I had all the elements to build the film. Um, But because it's a film that has movement to it, I really wanted to show artistically the movement and give feeling to the film um, of just kind of this nostalgic... Um, like I said, it's a beachside bike ride. And what does that feel like? And to me, what that felt like was palm trees swaying and wind going through the tree leaves and things passing by lazily. Um, And so to create that feeling, I knew I had to use double exposures. And so when I was shooting the film, I was making sure that, you know, you have kids, they wanted to stop occasionally. And so anytime we stopped, I would hold my phone up and get not only shots of us doing the bike ride, but shots of the trees, the palm trees and the swaying of the palm trees and get as close as I could given how high they were so that I had um, footage of the trees. And so when I went to edit this film, um, I took these, uh, these shots of these palm trees and I reduced the opacity like you were talking about. Um, So if I have a shot of us, the kids driving or biking along the beach path or biking through a street or whatever, I took the palm tree leaves that are moving, reduced the opacity, put it on top of the biking footage, whatever shot you had and reduced it enough. So what you can tell, the important part of the story is that there are, children biking that's the story yeah. but layered on it are the leaves moving perhaps in a different direction I, sometimes I took the clip and I flipped it upside down mm-hmm. so that the instead of the leaves going this way <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the leaves pointing down like they do from a tree, I had them going up and going across the screen. Mm-hmm. Like um, you can do that by using a, um, a vertical flip in Adobe Premiere Pro. You just mm-hmm. select and drag that onto your clip. So, it just it, so you, when you see it, um, and we'll include this in the show notes. When you see it, it's you just see. What's happening, but you see what's happening around you as well. It's like you have a 360 degree view of what it feels like to be on a bike ride. Yeah. Um, and then, so I, I love that. I love how it turned out. And the one other thing I did it for, real quick, in the film was that shot I was telling you about. I, I wanted to be in the film, so I put the phone down. I had us drive by it a couple times, um, but that's a problem you have all this movement in your film, right? Yeah. And then you have this one shot that the phone is literally sitting on a bench watching people drive by. And so it'd be really obvious that it's, you know, it's just stagnant and it wouldn't work worked with the whole film. So very specifically in that shot, I made sure to have a shot of me where I was on the bike driving past the palm tree. So you, f- you see the palm tree moving through the screen. Um, through the as the footage moves, and so I layered that above. So even though the shot is stagnant of us driving by, it feels like it's moving because yeah. the, of the double exposure effect on top of it. Mm. So, anyway, it's a short little film, but I, I'm really happy with kind of how that worked. And I don't think it would have worked without any, like, it just wouldn't have been the same film without double exposure. So,
0: yeah, a great I love that film so much, and Thanks. I love like I, what I this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this as a theme for for people to do is that I just feel like it makes you think outside the box of Mm -hmm. what is possible and how like what are some other ways that you can really make people feel like they're there and I feel like that's Mm -hmm. what you do so well in that film is you make Mm -hmm. us feel like we're there with you riding that bike so much feeling and all of that in it so and it's through that it would have It would be entirely different without that. Right. I don't think it would have been very good. (laughs) Yeah, without that. Tell
1: Um, me about yours. I want to hear what your favorite film is that you've done this technique in.
0: Well, so I have I have a few. I just (laughs) (laughs) like time. So I wanted to just kind of talk about. Um, there's a few. There's actually three that I want to mention specifically, um, and not go into like full depth on each one. But so the, when I first started experimenting with double exposures, the reason why um, was because I had done a session with an extended family. The Sherry family, they, um, it was the grandmother who hired me and she wanted, it was, it was very much out of my depth, like in terms of, mm. I don't normally shoot portrait sessions and uh, that's yeah. what this was, you know, like I normally am day in the life and a family's home, yeah. we're hanging out. This was very much more, the entire family is coming to the park and I'm working with each different, you know, little family grouping at, you know, for a, a short amount of time. And so it's very different. in in terms mm. of storytelling, there's no real, especially like, for video. Yeah. yeah, there's no real story happening. And right. so in my conversations with her, you know, initially she hired me because she really just wanted a video of her grandkids. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, you need to be in this. So that's, yeah, not um, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm doing this, you're going to be in it. And so she, she was okay with that. And then um, what I did was I, I talked to her about, well, I'll just work with each grouping of the family. So she's got four daughters and two of the daughters have kids. One of them has two kids and the other one has one. And then there were two other sisters. And so <clears throat> how do I bring everybody kind of into this? How do I create a story with this film because when I make a film I have there has to be some sort of story behind it like of there course. needs to be something and so I decided to start experimenting with double exposures because I wanted a way to really connect all of these family members together mm. and the song that I picked was so so beautiful I love um, that song it was something to the moon uh, it's mm-hmm. I mean it Percy Falls listen to it it's so good and and I, I tried to approach this film as though it was for the i mean it was it was for the grandmother, right? And so mm-hmm. but the really like the lead characters of it are these grandchildren. And right. so how do I? bring in elements of the location where we are and also just the, the moments of the grandmother and the grandfather and um, them within all of the other extended families. I started <laughs> out with just straight cuts of the storyline starting with each family and I had to go by life had to actually kind of go in order of how I shot it because mm. the sun was setting. So I couldn't, Oh have, yeah. I couldn't have used, you know, a family grouping from late in the day and <laughs> had, you know, start with that when the sun was lower. So I had to start right. with footage from when the sun was at its highest. And cause you know, yeah. it drops so quickly at sunset. So oh, that yeah. was the challenge in and of itself. <laughs> And then um, when I started to edit the footage, and I had you know the first grouping, and then the second family grouping, and I was connecting that with the phrases. So the first phrase of the song and the introduction was the first family, and then the next phrase of the song was the second family. Oh, it was the second you know the two daughters who had children started with them? I started to just add the footage of the grandmother over the top, and it then started to feel like. A memory like it started to feel like she was there it started to feel like I was seeing her as a part of you know and connected to the grandchildren and started just including that really subtly at first and then it just kind of became more towards the middle of it and it gained momentum and I started to do more of that um, in longer pieces and I just really played around with it and um that was like my did initial you know, into to doing it. Did you know when you shot it that you would be no. using
1: double exposures? You just, you got, you happened to get enough footage. And then yeah. in editing, you were like, this is, this is the, this is going to be good. Be, yeah. Okay.
0: This is the best way to do it because I, there was no like A to B story of the day, you know? Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember, but I, there was quite a lot of like behind the scenes arguing and stuff happening with the- <laughs> I remember you calling me afterwards in a bit of a, <laughs> so, so there was kind of some confusion about stuff. Yeah. This was just I, when I, when I sat, sat down and started working with, I was like double exposures is the way that ha- this has to be done like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, I really used it in that way to just kind of bring in the two storylines of the grandchildren with their moms and then their mom and Mm. grandfather as well and just sort of that whole extended family dynamic and it just works so well in a portrait type session so yes that was that was my initial way reason and and way of doing it um and then also just like really enjoying seeing the way that adding like i would because i was shooting b-roll of like pine needles and you know leaves and trees and and light and stuff just sort of seeing how that added texture Adds mm, so much I love to the footage and the water too mm. that was there. That was just really cool. And I thought that adds so much. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next film that I did where I used it and the reason for why I used it was this, I did a full day in the life for this family. I was there for the whole time and I was like, I have so much footage of this <laughs> morning section. And right. I, And and it would similarly, there was a lot of just sort of like watching the sunrise over the water and, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of like necessarily action that was going on. And I really loved, and I started, when I started playing around, again, I did all of the straight cuts and then I added on top once I was comfortable with it. I started to um, notice places where compositionally I would have you know, two people, um, sort of wider in the frame on each end. And then I could have footage of a grouping of two in the middle of that and just Mm. compositionally how that was, um, impacting the footage and it just made it so visually interesting. And again, like the water component of that particular film and on the day, I just, the glistening water with the (laughs) sun and all of that. I just, I loved it. Um, and so I, I used it quite a bit on that film. And then most recently, I used it on Jill's film. Um, mm-hmm. So each of these I'm going to show, you'll be able to see in the show notes. But um, on Jill's film, I didn't use it up until the where they are um, in the sprinkler. Yeah, the garden. In the garden with a sprinkler going. And it was just... It fit with the music and it was a way of really like making you feel like you're there in that moment with the sprinkler um, and adding the it was that different the the layers of um, mm. of that um, and I wanted that moment particularly to really feel like a memory for them yeah. um, and so I used it there and then I used it again while they were in the bedroom and Um, Again, there was so much footage in that section, and I kind of wanted to to just show all of it happening, Um, so I I did that. Um, One other time that I've used it was for the Chong family film, and that was towards the end of the film, and it was a way of sort of like ending the film, completing the film, and it goes back to footage that you saw earlier in the film, Oh. That's what's layered over the top. It's not the exact same footage, but it's from that same scene. Yeah. It didn't fit in that scene. And so when they're in the bath together, it's almost like as the film is ending and they're in the bath together and the kids are all in the bath together, it then kind of plays back to the whole family together on the couch. And Mm. it then sort of feels like a memory Mm-hmm. And again, it's like bringing in the parents into that ending because there was no real clear ending apart from the kids mm-hmm. in the bath. And so it's just sort right. of like revisiting that footage from earlier. So those are some. I love some that. <laughs> <doing> that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love that last one specifically. I think that's a, if you're like rating the technique as a unique ways to do it, that's very unique to place it from a different spot, but then making it work in the story as a, as a way to end the story. I love that. I yeah. love that a lot. It's a great idea. Yeah. Um, cool. I can't wait to for people to come be able to see a couple of these films that we've talked about. Um, so make sure you <laughs> go look at these. It's kind of hard to describe all this like without showing you guys.
0: <laughs> I know, it is really hard to describe it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we wanted to kind of uh, talk about how to be successful in using this. So let's dive into that. Um, because I think there's definitely some tips that we have for you. If you want to, um, if let's say you have a film coming up or you're about to shoot one. Um, I think you've also probably heard us say, I knew going into the film I talked about, I wanted to use double exposures. I knew Mm -hmm. it was going to be important. You were saying, um, it didn't, you didn't maybe know it in some of these films ahead of time, but then you, realized it storytelling-wise within the editing process. So there's different ways to approach this. Um, so we're going to give you tips for assess whether you're about to shoot a film or if you're in an editing process for a film and you want to use this technique. Um, so as we have talked about, um, you can use, um, <laughs> let's go back to the idea of cross dissolves for a second. Yeah. Um, so when you have um, these layers, so you have your base story clip in your timeline of, that you're editing with, and then you have some a, a double exposure part of the story that you want to layer over your clip. As we talked about, you need to reduce the opacity of that clip um, so that it is happening on top of the first clip. Yeah. A little tip for success um, to help with making this double exposure effect not so jolting is to add a cross-dissolve to the double exposure, the second layer that you're putting in. So add it on the very beginning of the clip and add it at the end of the clip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will help it just all of a sudden it just dissolves and appears and mm-hmm. it's happening. And then when it's done, then it kind of dissolves away, whether it's going into another double exposure or if it's just done, whatever you're choosing that cross dissolve on either end of your layer is really important. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it's, it be, does become jolting because all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what's, what's happening? Yeah. Why is there something else on top of this clip? Yeah. Also, with that cross dissolve underneath, so we talked about two layers. You have your base layer and then you have the layer on top that you're double exposing. On that bottom layer, a lot of times I've noticed that you need to put a cross dissolve between that video clip that's the base layer and the next video clip if you're doing multiple, cross, uh, multiple exposures in whatever piece of story. Am I describing that clear enough? It's very hard to do this without,
0: without a piece of editing yeah. in front of me. I, yeah, that's a good explanation. I would also, just to add to that, um, experiment with how long the cross-dissolves are that you add, mm, the effects yeah. that you add at the beginning and the end of the clip. Experiment with how long those are because the default length of time isn't always enough. It's not always mm-hmm. smooth enough. Um and if you find that once you start doing this, your computer really just uh, shits itself and it's like <laughs> hot, really jerky and jumpy, and you notice like the, the little line above um, at the top of the timeline is red or yellow, you just mm-hmm. need to render your sequence end out and that's gonna help with that. Um, right. But, so experiment with the length of time for those cross dissolves at the top and the bottom also experiment with how long you leave that top lowered opacity clip um, and how you know how long over the top of the clip you want to leave it so you may like Allison was saying having it kind of what one of the thing that I like to do is having have one clip, over the top of two clips instead of mm-hmm. just having one clip over the top of one clip. When they're the exact same length, it doesn't. it's not as good. It doesn't look yeah. as good. So um, as you're doing this and as you're experimenting with it, start with, like we said, start with the first, your, your very first film line, your video one line that has all mm-hmm. your straight, clean cuts on it. And right. then add your layers over the top. So add a clip over the top, reduce the opacity on it, add the cross dissolves, and play around with where that sits on the timeline, Um, and don't try to put it just over one clip, put it over two clips, but start it in the middle of the first clip and end it in the middle of the second clip, and that'll give you a nice kind of smoother effect. Um, and as Allison said also do a cross dissolve between the two clips on that bottom v1 layer Um, Mm -hmm. and that'll make it even smoother and more interesting Um, and also if you find that as you're doing this the double exposures don't look right experiment with the opacity maybe you like maybe you need the opacity of the top clip to be 40% and maybe you need Mm -hmm. 60% it really just differs based on how much you want to show, how much light and shadow is in those clips. Um, And another thing to experiment with is, well, maybe the clip on top, if it's not looking right, maybe that should be on bottom. That, That should be the base clip. And maybe the clip that was on the bottom should be on the top. With a reduced opacity, and maybe that'll look better. Um, so and within the opacity, you
1: can change you can change it within a clip too. You can yeah. say, "I want to keep it at 60. and then a couple seconds in, now the story is changing. I want to reduce that same clip with a keyframe.
0: Yeah, yeah, to forty or thirty. Yeah, yeah, use keyframes to change um, change it in different places on the clip. That's also a good thing that you can do. Um, There was one in uh, the Nolan family film that day in the life one that I did where I had, there was this one long clip of her like um, holding her son in her arms and she's talking to him and I'm putting these clips over the top. And so that's the base layer clip. And I wanted that to be full opacity And, um, but then a reduced opacity and the other clips be fuller opacity. And so like experiment Mm -hmm. with how you do that and you can use keyframes to, um, make changes midway through the clip and just, I think the biggest thing for you to take away from this is that we don't actually know exactly how (laughs) we're going to do it when we put it on the timeline. It's so much right. trial and error. It's so much just experimentation. And this is the creativity side of it. Like this is where it gets mm-hmm. fun because you try this one clip and you're like, oh, that looks really good. I'll keep that. And then you move on you try another clip and you're like, mm, that doesn't look good. Maybe I need to mm-hmm. try a different texture here, or maybe I need to. And then once you start, like Alison was saying, once you start using double exposures in your films more often then you start looking for textures when you film B roll. I personally find that like, I'm now I'm like, what can I, what's going to be like the coolest to layer over other clips later on? Let's define
1: that a little bit because I feel like texture kind of is a really big topic. So when you say texture, you're saying like thinking of water, having a rippling effect and then that rippling effect can be layered as a double exposure, giving texture to the film is what you're saying.
0: If it's dark, if it's if it's mm-hmm. too light, anything that's kind of darker is going to add um, a, a texture, a movement. It's got to have movement to it. Um, so, like like I was talking about um, leaves, but not clear leaves, like blurry leaves, boke- <laughs> yeah. bokeh, bokeh <and> in light leaves. <laughs> That's a nice <laughs> texture to add. Um, you know, any, like like I was talking about before, the pine needles. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really cool texture to add. Uh, like wheatgrass is another really cool texture that you can add. Just something that adds to the environment. I have a film I just put out yesterday of
1: my family in New Zealand. And um, one of the days we were out hiking and it was like... Kind of snowing, kind of raining. I don't know how to describe it. It was just this misty situation, Um, and I shot it on a lens baby, and I shot it on my just my Sigma lens, and it was really cool. Like you can't tell if it's snow or rain, but it's just this. Mm. Like it's not fun to be hiking in, is what it is. But it looked really cool on camera. Um, So I had that shot, and I had it in, and then I had all these extra shots of people hiking afterwards, and. They were interesting, but I really wanted to create a mood in those four or five shot sequence of it being like, you know, kind of a gloomy, but also a cold winter day that you're hiking. And so I took the, I took the texture of that rain situation and I reduced the opacity and you can't really see it, but it adds this matte effect to all the shots of the hiking after Um, And it wasn't misting during those hiking shots. But when I added that over it, it gave it this, just, it looked like it was kind of misting and, but you can't tell, you can't tell that it's from that original shot. I put it over the pine needle shot. I put it over the hiking shot, but it's that original shot of the mist. And it, like you said, it adds a texture and a mood to it Mm -hmm. um, that would not have otherwise been there. So it's a fun little tool to experiment
0: with. Yeah, that's so cool. I think it's it's just once you start to work with this as a way um, to kind of think outside the box and, and think more mm. creatively about how you're doing things, it lends itself to even more ways of working with things creatively and using elements that you've filmed before to like you said add more texture, add more mood, add more um Mm -hmm. ambience to the the footage that you have. So there's just so many ways that you can use this. Um so we talked about, you know, the biggest a piece of advice that I would have is to start with your base structure and storyline first and then add the layers after you don't necessarily need to do the entire film, but at least do the entire scene that you're working on. um, Yes. And get that first layer in and then add things over the top of it. Um, And don't be afraid to add three layers. Like you can, it, Mm. it doesn't need to just be one layer over the top. Like I've done multiple layers over the top, which then becomes like a triple exposure. Um, but play around with that. I mean, there's so many different ways that, that you can do it. Um, another, another tip is using the music as a guide Mm -hmm. for placing each double exposure. So we talked about that earlier about how, um, I was specifically looking for phrases in the music for where I wanted to do double exposures. And, and that's another way of kind of um, we talk about this in the Academy quite a bit, but s- this idea of song mapping and and kind of mm. looking at your song as a whole before you even start editing the footage, like what section is going to be the most effective to use double exposures right. in, what phrase is going to be um, a great phrase to have these double exposures in. Um, it becomes more interesting, visually interesting, if it's unexpected. If people, Mm. if you're having this in every film that you do and in the entire film, then it's, it's, people are, it's not as interesting. So, you know, it's just like any kind of added effect and added thing that you do. Um, Mm -hmm. You, less is more sometimes. So Yes. um, really be thoughtful about where you place the double exposures. Um, I
1: feel like that kind of transitions us really well into maybe when not to use double exposures. Yes. <laughs> I think something you just said is pretty key. Um, sometimes when we learn something new, we're like, oh, I want to use it all the time. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's some maybe tips for when to use and maybe when not to use it, because you're right. You don't want to be like the one trick you're just doing it all the time. You want it to be with, and if you heard anything from this episode, the intentionality that's going into the artistry of the storytelling when you're using a technique. So we want you to use this intentionally, just like you do any editing technique you do. Um, So one tip I have is that if you have a scene with like really meaningful audio, maybe between, um, a dad and a child, or they're reading a story or, uh, just something, whether it's your own family or a client family, if it's meaningful audio, I don't want to put a blanket statement on this because it's not like across the board, but in general, if it's a really good meaningful audio might not be the exact time to use a double exposure. It might, but, um, in audio and if you have really good shots of whatever scene's happening in front of you where something is, a dialogue is happening and it's well shot, probably don't want to include yeah. a double exposure there in most examples. Would you yeah. agree with that?
0: Definitely. not making a blanket I, statement. I don't think I've ever, um, I don't think I've ever used, I think that's a good, it's a good rule of thumb when not to because right. I don't think I've ever um, When I use a double exposure, it's, it's so much, it's so like my goal is to like make it feel like a memory. And so you're focused on listening. If the viewer is focused on listening to what's being said and that interaction, that's where I want the focus to be. I don't want it to be on, um, a double exposure, but like you said, it's not a blanket rule. And there could probably be times where this isn't necessarily the, the case. But I think it's a good kind of general rule. Like if you've got good audio, there are other times when you can use double exposures in your films. Um mm-hmm. another one you? Is there- another one um not another tip for when not to use it is when your camera movements are really fast. Mm. <laughs> If you have like, if, if your camera movements are really fast and you've got double of that going on, it's too much. It's probably just too much. Like you're, I mean, and this is a general rule of thumb anyway, but keep your, your camera movements slower. Um, but I think that when there's a lot of fast movement, it again, especially if it's intentional fast movement, then that's, that's the that's the effect that you're going for. Like that, think of it as a tool, like that's the storytelling tool that you're using. If you're Mm -hmm. intentionally including fast movement, you don't need to add another layer to that. So it's picking, it's knowing when to use these things, Mm -hmm. these storytelling tools that are available to you. It's knowing when to Mm -hmm. use them Um, Mm -hmm. and, and not you know, trying to do too much in your film, like we said, less is more. So, mm-hmm. um, just be really intentional about when, when to use them and when you think, when maybe not to use them. Um, so yeah.
1: I think when you, when you open your film project and you're looking at, how am I going to tell this story? Um, that is one of the, one of the questions you're going to have to ask yourself, is this an artistic tool in this story that is going to be useful for conveying whatever emotion and storyline I want to convey? Um, And it might not be, and that's okay. Um, It's not you, would you say that you have used this in every project recently or or not recently? um,
0: Do you, or is it you, not always it just depends. Yeah. It really just depends. And, you know, like with Jill's film, I was like, I'm not going to use cross dissolves in this film. I've done it in the last few films. I'm not going to do it. And then it got to this point in the film where I was like, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to use them here. Cause it just needs it. You know, like mm. I think it just, mm. it, it's so dependent on the situation and the film and, I am such a believer in going with your gut feeling and so just trust your instincts and trust your gut. And if it's telling you, I mean, you know, I love when you first are starting out working with this medium, um, you know, you're going to experiment. You're going to make some really good decisions. You're going to make some not so good decisions and you're going (laughs) to learn from that. And it's great. And you're not necessarily, when you're first starting out, going to be able to look at the song and say, yep, I'm going to use double exposures there. Like don't expect to be able to do that. Eventually, once you've used them enough, you're going to get comfortable with that and you're going to kind of know. Um, Mm -hmm. but If you're like when I was first starting out and I was doing it, I would, I would watch it and I'd be like something is missing. Like it just feels like something's Mm. missing here. What can I do to fix this problem? Like how can I, I'm just troubleshooting. I'm going to just try a double exposure here and let's see if this works. Let's see if this makes it feel better. And if my mm. gut then tells me that something's missing and that a double exposure makes it feel better, then I'm just going to go with that. Um, nice. Yeah, I feel like that's a good tip. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that's
0: great. Um, and so, in that regard, you know, I am I'm conscious of not using it too much because I don't mm. want it to just be. I'm using a double exposure for the sake of using double exposures. It's always mm. with an intentional reason, storytelling reason behind it. Um, And so if that then means every film is going to have it, then that's probably, that's what's going to happen because that's what the story needed. Um, But I, but I won't do it just because I did it in the last one, if that makes sense, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes
1: complete sense. I think you, you have to, you have to know the feeling that you're wanting from your story in the end as well. And Mm. yeah, it's important.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Well, hopefully this was all helpful to you guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As we said, it's hard to talk about this stuff without, you know, being able to show you screens and show you examples. But we just, I think there's still a lot that can be said and, and hopefully the conversation that we've had around this has been beneficial for you. Um, if mm-hmm. double exposure or something that you've seen before and you're interested in the kind of thought process behind it, um, I think it's a cool conversation to have. So mm-hmm. um, thanks for listening to us and don't forget that we are doing this theme for our next six film challenge. So if you want to join us, use the code DBL exposure, all caps and um, you'll get $15 off your monthly membership fee when you join FilmingLifeAcademy.com. So thanks, Allison. Really appreciate thanks. you chatting with me about this. It was this good. was fun. Yes, and thank you guys for listening. We will chat to you soon. Bye. Bye.